You are listening to Everything Yoga, Everywhere Yoga, a podcast designed to explore yoga philosophy and psychology, taking it beyond the mat and into the world. How can we connect yoga and psychology to everyday life? My name is Jen, I'm your host, world-traveling yoga instructor, blogger, and the founder of Iveya Luna, Mindful Wellbeing, Peaceful Living. Every week on the podcast, we will be exploring different topics through yogic and psychological perspectives. I will occasionally be welcoming brilliant guests and hosting exciting Q&As. So join me as we wander the heart, the mind, and the world on this podcast. Wherever you are on your journey, I'll meet you there. and welcome to another episode of Everything Yoga, Everywhere Yoga. I'm your host, Jen Angela, or you can call me Jen, Gigi, if you want to reach out to me one-on-one via my Instagram or my Facebook or my website. No problem. I invite you to. I look forward to it. Uh, Today is part two of my interview with Selda from Karma Mind Yoga. So this one, this part of the interview is a lot more of a chat so to speak, so I will be talking a lot more in it, lucky you. Um, (laughs) We're going to be exchanging a lot of our ideas and our thoughts about different things. Um, Yeah, we we really got into so, so much this time. It was very exciting and juicy. So we invite you to give us your feedback and your comments and and ask any questions that you might have. Uh, Yeah, there was a lot said and we really could have gone on for ages and ages and ages. We, in fact, as I mentioned in the episode later on, we did chat for about two hours before we started recording. So the conversation is sort of broken up into different bits. And then there's going to be a break uh, about halfway through to then give you a summary of what's about to come after that. So I hope that you enjoy this part two and the second to last episode of the year. I hope you enjoy part two with Selda. Okay, how about you tell us the story of when you were trying to book a venue? Yes, okay. So, um, I wrote to a local church in my area um, um, a couple of weeks ago now, um, just because I've been looking for a studio or a venue to hire to teach my weekly yoga classes, in particular pregnancy yoga, um, because I'll be finishing my course soon. So I wanted to find a space for that. And I knew that some of these community halls or churches tend to be free in the evenings or some weekends, sometime in the weekends. And um, I knew that they do offer the venue out for like workshops or exercise classes, um, presentations and events and so forth. So I wrote to them and I asked them and told them it was for yoga. And they responded and told me that they do normally hire out the venue for events, exercise classes even and workshops but just not yoga which I just found really um I just found it really interesting I just I didn't expect that response at all and the the woman's the lady's reasoning for it was that yoga is associated with religion and it goes against the Christian faith and they can only hold events in the church um if it kind of tied in with what they believed in and she even said you know we want to be as inclusive as we can but this is just a no-go area for us um, and I completely respect her decision um, I did write back to her and say I totally understand but just to I wanted to just educate her a little bit and just explain that whilst it maybe did come out of like ancient texts that kind of had like a religious connotation to it yoga nowadays isn't religious at all if anything it's so inclusive and so much more about just 
feeling good about yourself and connecting with your body, breathing deeply, all of those really wonderful sensations that um, really have nothing to do with religion. So I just wanted to, I, I, made a re I made a recording on this in my social media just to find out if anyone else had experienced anything like this. And um, a couple of people did respond actually. One of my friends said that a church near where she lives hold, like they hold yoga classes there. Um, so I don't know if it's maybe just, I don't know, just an inconsistent or some variation in maybe their interpretation of yoga or what exactly it was. But um, it just made me thinking about, made me think about um, to the relationship between yoga and religion. And maybe there's a little bit of tension there um, just because of the way it's perceived and interpreted. Um, I know that with my family, I, I grew up with, um, the religion of Islam. My family are very, very religious. Like my mum wears a headscarf. She prays five times, prays five times a day. Um, they don't eat pork. They don't drink. Um, although my dad does sometimes. So there's, it's always been a little bit confusing. Um, but yeah, I think challenging or questioning your belief system, which is what yoga encourages you to do, to question things, to challenge yourself, to change your pers perspective on things and to really dig deep and find your true self. I think that maybe slightly threatens the concept of religion, which I was brought up to kind of believe in blindly and like to not challenge or question mm -hmm. and just kind of believe it because I've been told to believe it and to kind of follow it because everyone around me followed it without having the opportunity to decide for myself as to whether it fit, it um, fitted in with or it was aligned with what I what I really feel and believe if that makes sense yes yeah no I completely agree and even even in Christianity I mean Christians have, have also told me that I can't practice yoga or teach yoga and be Christian I can't you know the, the, the things that I would say or even if I said you know that I didn't believe in um like that, I believe women should be allowed to have abortions if, you know, basically that they should have a right to choice. Okay. And, uh, and they're like, well, that must be the yoga in you and not the Christian in you. And I'm like, oh, I feel like even before yoga, I always thought that people should just have control over their own bodies, but okay. Um, and if anything, that was more like academic research I had done at one point with a bio, biomedical ethics class. So it had nothing to do with either one, like nor yoga or Christianity. Um, but yeah, and I, and I think religion, like you said, you're kind of taught to believe blindly. And it can almost be as though religion is from the outside in, and then maybe becomes the way that you live your life from the inside out, but it's definitely from the outside in. Whereas yoga, it, it, it just starts from within. It cannot be taught from the outside. As in, yes, there are texts, like you said, and yes, there are teachers and all of that, but it, it can only be yours. It can only be like like we were talking about your yoga it, there's no other way especially the way that it's taught now like obviously if you want to study hinduism or what that's a completely different thing or, or a thing or you want to study the gods behind the poses or the, the deities behind the poses that's another thing as well but yoga mm -hmm. mindfulness meditation self-reflection ethical considerations all we talk about yamas and niyamas that that it's it's the point of it is so that you see where you stand in life and in society that's literally the point. There's no dictatorship whatsoever. There's no this way, that way. They say the word, we roughly translate it after 2000 years, and then we interpret it. 
the way mm-hmm. we see fit and the way we want to live our lives. So for better, for worse. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's really interesting as well. And then, so how do you find, how was your transition basically from, from one, from one state to another? And like, how do you find, basically just tell us about your transition from, from one to the other. Oh, it was actually really, really scary. Um, just because I had so much fear instilled in me, unfortunately through religion. And I'm not saying that religion is a bad thing, just to put it out there. Like I was telling you earlier that I wish I had come across the religion before I'd come across the religious people, because Mm. I think it's people's interpretation of certain things and like control mechanisms and wanting to overpower and control women, I think in particular in some religions, that's what I have an issue with. Um, it's not the religion itself, because I think I am, I'm very spiritual. I believe in a higher power. Um, I just don't believe in subscribing to something that's so rigid and tells you how to live when actually we're all, like we were discussing earlier, we are all animals. We're all natural mm-hmm. with nature. If we just let ourselves be in tune with nature. Yeah. Um, so the transition was really, really scary. I was in denial for f- such a long time about, what I believed in. I just didn't want to discuss any form of belief system with anyone because I was terrified of even uttering the words, I'm not religious mm. because it's so sinful. It's so sinful in, I was brought up to believe that, um, that you're either good or bad. You're either right or wrong. It's very black and white. You're either in or out basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it was, it took a lot for me to admit to myself that actually, do I really believe in all of these things that I've been taught? Um, am I allowed to question it? Am I even committing a sin by questioning whether is there a God? Like it was, it was just so much fear, so much fear. And it was very consuming. Um, but I just, I think that's what kind of drew me to yoga. Um, sorry, I'm just thinking. No, no, that's fine. No, 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 that's good. (laughs) I think... I think because yoga allowed me to, it's just so, it's so non-judgmental. It allows you to just connect with who you are in that very moment without wanting to subscribe to anyone else's belief system, anyone else's truths or what they, their purpose in life or anything like that. It just makes you, it allows you to tune into whatever's going on inside of you and accepting it for exactly as it is without wanting to change it without wanting to label it analyze it um categorize it or anything like that and i just found it so liberating it allowed me to reconnect to my body just because growing up in a strict religious family i was told i can't drink i can't have boyfriends i couldn't wear you know knee length dresses or you know um t-shirts that kind of like revealed like like my arms or my shoulders and it was just so restrictive I was just brought up saying you can't do this you can't do that that's forbidden this is forbidden and it just made me feel like a bit of a shell of a person as if I didn't I didn't own my own body I wasn't allowed tattoos and all these things that I just didn't feel like I had the autonomy to make decisions about Mm. about my own body and when doing yoga it really allowed me to just feel my body and feel the emotions inside of me and just reconnect with actually who I, who I really am without anyone else's kind of opinion on what's good or bad or right or wrong. And so 
yeah, the transition was really, really scary. And I actually still haven't really spoken to my family about any of this, to be honest. I did speak to my mum recently, which was really, really nice. And the first, one of the first questions she asked me was, do you eat pork? Which is like a massive deal in like my community and my religion. And normally I, in front of my parents, I turn into like a five-year-old and I'm terrified of, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about that before as well. <laughs> But this time around, I just, I just wanted to be honest with myself and with her and was just like, yes, I do. I, I'm going to be a veg- I'm trying to be a vegetarian. Like I'm trying to change my lifestyle. So I don't, don't have meat in the house at the moment, but I just want you to know that I have done that and this is who I am and that's okay. Like, it's not just about something that it's not just about religion it's more than that like there's more to us than subscribing to just one mm-hmm. way of life i just wish it just wasn't in my experience wasn't as forceful as it could have been um maybe things would things would have been a little bit different um but yeah that's that's how how i transitioned into i guess just being a little bit more spiritual and aware of what i believe in rather than blindly believing thing in things and not challenging it yeah Um, yeah yeah I agree with that and well I mean it was it was a little bit less um intense just because like I said it sort of faded away anyway the the my parents weren't overly religious and it sort of not faded but it became part of me or not as I grew up and my brother for example doesn't subscribe to anything and we were brought up in the same household but he just doesn't you know he's definitely more science you know and um Thomas is like that as well, very much just science. But then, you know, he has these moments of, oh, that was a sign or, oh, that's, you know, and I think that, that we like that. We like to have hope. We like to have a little faith yeah. in something, you know? So, so it's not to say that he, he's cynical by any means. It's just that he's more practical and he's more like, but he does believe in science, energies, uh, vibes, you know what I mean? He says these things. And so and I'm, I really believe in that as well. It's just difficult for me because because it wasn't so imposed on me, there's definitely a lot less resistance. So I'm more open to being like, yeah, those teachings are beautiful. And then I wonder, okay, so then am I Christian then? And then I'm like, well, no, because I don't follow someone. I don't use those teachings as guidelines. I don't use them as a way to set boundaries. They're not my, my ethical or my emotional compass. They're, they're nothing. They're just, oh, that's lovely. That's nice. Okay, those are good teachings. Um, and I find it, and when it's, when it's brought up, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I always thought that I believed in one truth, you know? I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, love and being kind to others. And I must be Christian. This is my one truth. Unconditional love, Jesus, he loves you. And then I thought, wait, 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 wait. I think he should represent, he represents something. He makes it tangible for us. Fine. He's a good person to look up to. But now suddenly Jesus to me, I look up to him the way I look up to different yogis that I really respect. You know, I look to him like, he taught us really good things and he, you know, he had a really good words and really good teachings. I look at other yogis in, in a similar way, which I know is going to sound terrible because, you know, Jesus, but I don't think it's about one truth. I think what, what I thought was one truth is really just love and kindness and that that's not someone else's. And suddenly it, when that didn't belong to me anymore and it belonged to Jesus, I was like, wait, 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 no, no, this is, I've developed this life. I've healed from pain. I practice love and kindness. And the idea of making it belong to someone else as lovely as he 
seems to have been. <laughs> it's not how I want to live. I don't want to follow someone. It's, I chose to be kind and loving. And I'm not saying that everyone else is not truly loving and kind if they're Christian. It's just that like, do you realize that you are choosing to be loving and kind? You, mm-hmm. It's you being loving and kind. It's not Jesus. And they mm-hmm. say things like, oh, we love because Jesus always loved us. It's like, no, you love because you're good. You love yeah. because you have love inside of you. And I don't yeah. think that Jesus wanted us to think that he, well, I, I don't know. And we don't have to get into that, but I'm sure that he wouldn't think anything wrong of what I'm saying because I'm finding yeah. love anyway. And, and I, I also respect him and it was also through him that I found love. So what does it matter? You found love. And so, and love is the power. Love allows for everything. It allows for forgiveness. It allows for self-acceptance. It allows for acceptance of others. It allows for clarity. It allows for healing. It allows for everything, just everything. So mm-hmm. you derive that love from where. That's really interesting. And it take it, what you were saying about, um, like when you were talking about Jesus earlier, you were just saying it probably sounds this or that coming yeah, like, yeah. perceived this way, but it's just, it also ties in with like, the judgment mm-hmm. that comes along with, um, in my experience, with you know the religion that I was brought up with, there's just it's just there's just a lot of judgment on your doing good or bad or your mm-hmm. right and wrong or um, you're committing a sin or you're not, and it's it just if I were to go straight to the source, it would be a lot more forgiving, a lot less like judgmental and accepting. Whereas I, I found that the interpretation can be so rigid sometimes that it does come across judgmental and very rigid and not yeah. very forgiving, um, which yeah. I really struggle with because yoga teaches you that you are God, like you are part of this universe yeah. and you're part of any, this big energy and we're all yeah. part of it. We're all equal. We're all one. Um, which I just, the idea of that just blew me away when I first like read about it and just felt it inside of me. Opposed to doing things because they're good in itself rather than doing it for a, a different purpose Absolutely. and going to heaven or having a better afterlife and all of that. Just doing it because it's good and doing it um, because it makes another person happy without wanting to receive anything back in return. And it, yeah. Um, Really I completely, I completely agree with the, what, what you said about doing it not because you're following, but you're doing it because it's just good. And I think sometimes with religion, it's like, yeah, God teaches us to forgive. God teaches us to do blah, 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 blah. And it's like, but what do you want to do? And then because you subscribe to this structure, you're saying mm-hmm. forgiveness, you're saying no judgment, you're saying love, but within the scope of Christianity or within the scope of whatever, but you absolutely are judging those who say that they don't believe in whatever. You absolutely are because you've subscribed to this, this love with the condition of or l- unconditional love because Jesus. It's like, it doesn't allow for neutral. It absolutely is accepting one thing and rejecting another. It absolutely is. And we were talking about that earlier as well. Yoga allows for neutral. There's absolutely no accepting or rejecting or rather accepting as in yes self like acceptance yes but not as in acceptance to reject something else mm-hmm. right it's just acceptance as yes self acceptance accepting the moment uh, but yoga allows for neutral it allows yeah. for actual observation and this even ties into life like when when we when you were saying that some people just don't want to let in the possibility of anything else because mm-hmm. they would have to question themselves and it's scary yeah it's the same thing you, you, yeah. they just they cannot 
get there because they have this structure that is their life or whatever it is. It's not even religion anymore. It's just the life that they've created. And suddenly anything else is like, what? And it has to be attacked and judged and all that. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's anyway. easy to get defensive with things like that when you're afraid of the truth. I'm doing quotation marks at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, is, it is terrifying like to be confronted with something that makes you challenge everything you thought you knew, everything you were taught to believe mm -hmm. was the truth. And it takes a lot of courage to take a step back and be like, actually, I might be wrong. Like maybe there yeah. is a different life. Maybe there's yeah. more to life. And maybe there isn't. Maybe I'll end up exactly where I am now, having gone through that um, journey of, you know, questioning and analyzing mm -hmm. and exploring. Maybe I'll end up exactly where I was. But at least, I just think we should at least go through that journey of having that freedom to do whatever is aligned with our, our true self and like not be judged and not be car categorized or labeled um this mm -hmm. or that or you know um yeah that that's just that's just something that i struggle with it with and i think i will continue to struggle with with my community the community that i grew up with it will always there will always be some tension between liberation and freedom and you know the things that yoga teaches us teaches us with all of the yamas and the niyamas and all of that mm. and the you know the i don't want to say rigid but i do i just i'm just going to say what i feel i do think yes. it's a bit more rigid a rigid you know one textbook that can be interpreted in many different ways and that mm. can sometimes be used as a control mechanism and is can be used to judge people mm. um there, there, there's there may always be that tension and I, I don't know how it will go, but um, I'm just really thankful for finding yoga and for allowing me to just see another way and to just, um, I've lost my train of thought. No, it can happen. No, these topics, I, I, yeah, at least you stop yourself. I just keep rambling, even though I have no direction. So, so at least you, you just say, it. you're like, okay, we're done here. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. No, finish yet. Like, I'm going to continue going. Yeah. Okay, so I, I grew up as every, I would say that I was a bit of a pushover and quite a passive person. And I kind of just, I was so consumed with, making sure everyone else around me didn't feel awkward, didn't feel uncomfortable, that they um, felt okay. And so even if like an older relative, and this is really common in my community, if an older relative came up to me and said, how much are you earning? Mm. Or what, what's your rent? And like really, really private personal questions, I would feel embarrassed for them and would take on the burden of making sure that that encounter wasn't awkward and so I would provide them with anything they wanted just so mm -hmm. that the conversation went smoothly and just for the sake of keeping the peace I would always carry that burden of making sure everyone else was okay even mm -hmm. if that person was acting really inappropriately mm -hmm. and was disrespectful I wouldn't see it that way my emotions kind of kind of didn't count my experience of the situation didn't count it was more about the other person and it was only when I started doing therapy that my therapist said please be aware that all of your relationships around you are going to change. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Therapy, I'm just warning you, people are going to react differently to you because you're going to change. And I didn't quite believe her when I first started it. I was just like, okay, whatever. But I, I was so astonished at how much my life transformed 
and how much the people around me either loved seeing me flourish or absolutely couldn't stand it. And it brings to mind that that phrase that um, only those that benefited from you not having any boundaries will have a problem with you having boundaries because yeah. they got to with taking too much from you, using up yeah. your energy, crossing those boundaries, crossing the line, um, being unfair, unjust, all of those things where you kind of take the piss, basically. You let them get away with it. And all of a sudden, when you stop doing that, they notice that there's something missing that they were getting from you when actually they shouldn't have been in the first place, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, and it has been very challenging to, I've had to cut a lot of people out in my life during this period, which was really difficult, like a lot of grief and including my own family. And I'm still at that stage now where I'm trying to establish a completely new relationship with my family where we're equal now. Like I'm no longer a child and with family, it's really, really tough because you do regress when you're in front of your parents yes, or yeah. you become like a 10 year old again because you want yeah. their approval, you want their love. It brings back so many emotions. And, and you suddenly feel guilty for creating a different life for yourself, you know, because you look at their faces and you're like, oh, I should just continue being a victim. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't see yeah. it that way. You're just like, oh, I, I'm going to play small now because I don't want to ruffle any feathers. And, you know, and then you become small again. So. No. And like, you know, as a woman in like, my culture like the mediterranean middle eastern culture if you're passionate you're seen as aggressive mm -hmm. if you're you know if you respond back to someone being critical of you you're seen as argumentative and so establishing those boundaries is so difficult yeah. without being this or that but what we were talking about earlier is that none of what anyone else says about you is personal it's not mm -hmm. really even about you True. it's about their own perception their filter on life and how they how they see things. So if you're calling someone ugly, it's because you know what that means. You know that, that that's how you perceive it. Whereas the next person would probably see that person or that thing as stunning and beautiful. It's just how you perceive it to be. And yeah, um, yeah it, is, it is really tough, especially with family and with families where there is such a, an expectation to be like a unit a family yes. yeah and you can't be your own self and you have to yeah. conform to everything that the family want but then your voice isn't recognized you're not mm -hmm. you're not really considered a participant but I'm done like with just like the boundaries with like interactions with people especially with people like with family and yeah. like my community I'm done with trying to fill the silence so it's not awkward to mm -hmm. um excuse their behavior for the sake of it yeah. being a pleasant encounter like I'm done with all of that now I'm just going I just want to like if someone asks me an inappropriate question I'm going to call them out on it because yeah. the act of asking an inappropriate question is the problem not me yeah. calling them out on it. Like, yeah yes I'm, I'm being rude or I'm being disrespectful but actually let's take a step back and mm -hmm. go back to where this even started like the only reason why I'm saying what I am is because I'm establishing a boundary and that's completely healthy and okay and you know um, I'd want that for everyone. And if anyone has an issue with it, it's because maybe they've got an ulterior motive and they want something out in it for themselves and they're trying to feed their own ego. And yeah. And like you said, they, it, they do get a little bit defensive or, you know, say you're too sensitive, you're aggressive, you, you know, we can't say anything to you without it being a joke. Well, that's like we said, that's their opinion on that's their that's their perspective that's their personal perspective yeah. on how they see things and it's got nothing to do with mm -hmm. 
the receiver of that really yeah absolutely and again there's that there's that idea of, of the intention behind it and i completely agree like i can take a joke like i don't want to sound too serious this out of me like i'm always about tough love with my husband we love that kind of thing but it's it's, it's the intention behind it and i notice as, a, as like a hypersensitive and empath like you are i do notice mm-hmm. if there's something behind what someone's saying and i've just kind of swallowed it in the past and like let, let people kind of get yeah. away with that especially people close because you don't want to make them uncomfortable because you feel bad as as crazy as it sounds i actually feel bad for the person being mean to me like it's crazy it's insane yes it's it's incredible and i think they know oh my god like when you look at it and unpack it it's actually and and it's sad you know to to grieve those relationships and to think Mm -hmm. oh my god this person that i trusted all my life was one of the perpetuators uh, one of the perpetrators of this toxic dynamic and and, you know, and I, and I do feel bad because I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm trying to do something, like we said, love me and you at the same time, you know, yeah. like love yeah. myself and love you. And um, I think it can be difficult. And you said the word empath. And I like that because not many people know what that is. And so explain what an empath is <laughs> to people. No, you explain. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I'm the one with the microphone here. <laughs> <laughs> no okay I mean, uh, well what, go ahead please for me I think it means being able to genuinely pause and put yourself in another person's position and just genuinely be able to at least try to imagine what that person's going through without thinking about your own ego and your own kind of what's in it for you yeah. um and just being in tune with that, being in tune with like emotions and feelings and the unspoken and the unseen, if that yes. makes sense. Like no, just that makes perfect sense. Like being connected to other people and like noticing the subtleties in the way someone moves and the way someone speaks and like yeah. uh, just being in tune with that. Yeah. And, and it, I think, I mean, yeah, some people are born with it. Like they're just really sensitive, but you can develop it. And as children, we're extremely sensitive, which means that we have it in us to be perceptive. Something mm-hmm. happens as we grow up because we're always, you know, surviving, I guess. And, you know, we go through things and we become jaded or we become bitter. We set up our own ideas and our own, you know, program manuals, like, you know, we can call it. And then suddenly we perceive things as threat or attack or this or that. Mm-hmm. And we forget to actually just look at the situation for what it is because we're always either defensive or on the attack. There's never, like you said, a pause to look and think of of just an alternative. It has to always be an equation. We don't look at anything alone. And of course there's danger. Between the difference between outright like Hmm. saying something to hurt someone and just holding a mirror up as a reflection to say, this is what you just did and I'm just letting you know that you just mm-hmm. did this without letting like without absorbing it and taking it on and like letting them get away with it and creating excuses for them yeah. and now I'm more for yes I'm an empath but I'd like to show you and be upfront and honest about what you just said to me and why it's not okay and I think yeah as long as you find that thin line between be empathizing with someone and understanding maybe they mean that way and their intentions were pure or just being like, actually, maybe you need to be, we need to have this conversation because this is what's been happening. You need to see it for what it is.
Yeah. And like when I have had to have these discussions about boundaries with people that I mm. care about, the only reason why I've done it is because I wanted to better and better the relationship yeah. and yeah. let it move forward in the healthiest way possible. Had I not wanted that, there probably wouldn't have been no conversation and there wouldn't have been any need for it. So I completely agree. Like the boundaries are there in place for a reason. And one of the biggest things that I've learned through therapy is self-compassion mm-hmm. because by putting others first and constantly thinking about other people's needs and their comfort and making sure that they feel okay, regardless of whatever they say and whatever they do, you're doing, you're, you're, you're being so unfair to yourself and you are mm. yourself a person and you need to think of yourself in that way. as like almost a third person. Like I deserve the same compassion and respect and um, mm. all of those things that you'd want for anyone else. And it, that, that's what kind of helps me when I do have to have these difficult conversations. I think of myself as I also deserve how I would want anyone else to be treated. So if someone does speak to me in a, in a particular way where they cross a boundary, that the empath in me understands that it's a necessary means to an end to have this conversation because I care about you and we, I want to move forward with you, but like, I wish we could be that tough and that strong and like, but do we want to be that way? Because we're all connected. We're human. We care about each other and that's just how we're, we were created, I guess. So it's just not care. Yeah. That's another point. Of course we care. We're social yeah. beings, of course. We care. We're literally like we we evolved, and like it's part of it's part of our DNA. <laughs> like we we care. The only thing I the only issue I have it with people having something to say about what I get up to in particular is if that other person who is criticizing me or has something mean to say about what I'm doing, and they're just sat on their ass. Brilliant! I love <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> they're just sat on their ass, not doing anything, not taking any risks, not making themselves vulnerable not putting themselves out there to be criticized. I don't respect your opinion. I don't want to hear what you say. There's no room for any of your feedback because what are you doing with your life? It's so easy to stay on the the sidewalk or the side, you know, sidelines, that's it. And, you know, point fingers and criticize and say, you said this wrong, you did that wrong. Well, at least I'm out there trying and I'm the only human, I make mistakes. So that, that aspect of, being worried about what people will say like that really gets to me um i think so i i I do care about what people say but a very select few people um, yes exactly yeah i I actually value exactly because then i care in the sense that it's like i want to do right by them if it you know if it's a relationship or someone and it and it's usually not that they're criticizing it's that they're holding me accountable if i'm not being the best version of me it's not criticism then anymore because criticism is not again, is, is just judgment, but like suggestion and holding you accountable because the person cares about you is, is also, is a completely different thing. So, um, yeah, I, I, it gets to me as well, that, that whole judgment thing. And like you said, if you're just sitting on the sidelines doing nothing, you, you don't have an opinion because only people who have like, because for example, because we're doing what we're doing, we would never judge somebody else for doing whatever because we know what it's like we've put ourselves out there so we would never judge somebody else but people who are afraid to go and do that thing and who haven't done it are only judging others because they want to do two things they want to justify why they're why they are still sitting down on their ass and because (laughs) (laughs) and because they want to shame that person and make them feel as ashamed as they feel about themselves so they look at this person as shame and they're projecting like you call that and they're projecting all that goop of shame 
and of, mm-hmm. you know, and then they look at that other person and they think, oh my God, that person should be so embarrassed, so ashamed. And it's like, no, you feel embarrassed. You feel ashamed. Yeah. And you're afraid yeah. to go out there because you're afraid to feel ashamed and embarrassed. That person hasn't done anything. That person doesn't feel anything they don't want to feel. You don't know that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's nothing you can say. And, um, and that's another thing is how we, we don't know how to separate ourselves from others. You know, yeah. it's important to see things for what they are and people yeah. for who they are and not for who you are family so it can mm-hmm. happen like pe- parents see their kids as extensions of them and and I know it's really cute the whole mini me mini me concept and like mothers and daughters or fathers and sons dressing up alike but actually it's so unhealthy it's so unhealthy I can't I can't with that anymore and um the mini me complex is just so and maybe that's the problem with well, I'd say it's studying psychology, but like you think the same. I think it's just people who are aware of like unhealthy dynamics. It you don't have to be a psychologist to de- like uncrack to crack the code. But yeah, that mini me complex that people have, I really think is is sick. And clearly, when you're doing it, it's not because you think it's cute. It's because you're trying to give yourself value through mm-hmm. your child, and yeah. that's the seed of you know, soccer moms and <laughs> dance moms and, <laughs> and theater moms and, or dads, you know what I mean? But the, yeah. And yeah. that's that complex of, of attaching yourself to someone else and parents living vicariously through their children. And, you know, then, you know, whatever you do with your life is adds value to them when they want to brag to their friends about you. And, and you're like a monkey suddenly. It's like, look what everything my kid can do. Look at what, you know, it's so, it's the worst. And you, you, teach, the, you teach the kid that they can only have value for their accomplishments and for the, the, what they bring to the table rather than just being alive and just being them. And that, yeah. man, that's, that like, is hard to, that's hard to backtrack from as an adult. Yeah, I feel so passionately about what you just said. And I feel like most of my posts on my social media are about this now. Like just that sense of everything being conditional growing up and a sense of feeling like, I'm owned by my parents and I kind of signed a contract when I came out of my mother's womb to say, this is what I'm going to do for you in return giving birth to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just, I find that so insanely just bizarre and unfair. And yeah, I just, I, I just don't, I don't understand how, like there's this concept in my culture where, you know, I've been told, you know, you have to have kids because when you grow old, they'll look after you. Like, no, that's not why you have kids. That, yeah. That's like, it's, it's just so selfish to think you're going to have kids so that then you get something back in return. It should just yeah. be for the sake of creating life and then setting them free and seeing what they become. And like, just yeah, observing so the yes. beauty of like a human being developing into whatever they were meant to be rather than molding them and forcing them to believe in religion. For example, we were discussing earlier or, I don't know what they study, what they should become, who they should marry, and this yeah, yeah it's so bizarre. We're all so we're we're all individual souls, we're all equal. There's no right or wrong. Why can't we just all let ourselves just be whoever we want to be? Yeah. Sorry, I just went off on one there. <laughs> Sorry? I feel like I just went off on one there. <laughs> no, no, you should you go off on many. Go off on as many as you want. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm it my own person. So many different relationships. Like even in a relationship. You can, you, people, like, I just spoke about this, um, this Yama recently, like, possessiveness, yeah. like, owning your partner and, like, feeling like you, they belong to you and they're only yours and you can't share them with anyone else. And, like, 
that sense of entitlement and that sense of like owning someone and controlling them is so so toxic like you just mm -hmm. said it's just it is something that we need to steer clear of especially with children but it applies to a lot of other absolutely. relationships absolutely and i think um yeah just just when you hear that kind of talk and when children grow up to feel like they owe their parents like your parents are meant to care for you you shouldn't have to feel like you like you owe your parents any parents who make their children feel in their debt should yeah. reevaluate the relationship they have with their children and with themselves and why they think that their kid is someone that owes them like why yeah. do they feel like they're being wronged all the time even by their children and you can tell so much about your life by the way you treat those close to you and, you know, and if you have children, the way you treat your children says a lot about the way you feel in life. Because if yeah. you're taking the person that you assume you have most power over, and that's mm -hmm. how you choose to execute that power, that says a lot about what's going on inside of you. You know, yeah. it just says a lot. So I just think that, and I'm not trying to like condemn anyone here. It's just a, an option, a, a, an opportunity for observation and for evaluation. Yeah. You know, what do you think? Yeah. And every time you think you're in a situation where someone's more vulnerable and you can do whatever you want, what is that whatever that you're choosing? Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's on right? you. Yeah. Sorry? That's when it counts, right? Like yeah, when that's, you that's on you. Opportunity, but you think carefully. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break so I can tell you what happens next. So um, as I prefaced before, the conversation uh, started recording two hours after we were having our conversation originally. So it was in it was in bits and we sort of jumped from different topics. And uh, and so now we finished this one pretty much. And the next chunk of the episode is going to be about knowledge, um, how to use your knowledge, how to how the regulations are changing within the yoga world, the yoga community, and how we can start utilizing our tools and our knowledge in different ways and um, how regulations can help that and whether or not regulations are, are helping. And um, I prefaced, before we got into this, I said that I thought regulations were good so far as they help yoga teachers do more with what they know and what they have. And so far as they help provide yoga instructors with the credibility that they do deserve and with the credit that they do deserve whilst also making sure that people who are abusing of power and abusing of knowledge uh, you know they, they can be they can be weeded out sort of thing <laughs> so I talk about that and um and we talk about all sorts of other things as well and but mostly like I said knowledge uh, community we, we get into community flows and charging as a yoga teacher near the end but um, but yeah, this is pretty much it for the center. <laughs> so interesting. I think you're completely right. I think going back to, I think we were discussing this earlier when we were saying about how a psychopath can learn how to behave as like a normal functioning human mm -hmm. being but because mm -hmm. they've learned those behaviors and inside they're not actually experiencing or feeling it. And it's not coming yeah. from a natural place. It's more a case of learned behavior. Yeah. And especially like with therapists and yoga teachers and so forth, there is like this key thing that we use, which is intuition. And like, you're not taught that in university. You're not taught no. to listen to the voice inside of you or the, feet, the gut feeling that you have. You're told to dismiss it and just base it on facts and evidence in front of you. And life is so much more than just facts and evidence. And it's not yeah. black and white. And it does take a lot more to... Um, to really connect with someone on a deeper level than just on the surface. 
And you're right, they can be a really big abuse of power. Like when I, before I started therapy, I was really um, intimidated really easily by people, especially people in authority, people who had the power to make decisions or the power to, that had knowledge basically. And my therapist kind of cottoned on, cottoned on to this really early on and he would recommend books to me and podcasts and I would literally do exactly what he asked me to do the day after he told me to do it. And he was just like, why are you doing this? Like, it's your life. Listen to your own intu intuition. And um, it's a little bit dangerous that you're taking everything I say so literally and you're doing everything I tell you to do. Yeah. And that's when it hit me that actually people with that type of authority do hold a lot of power. And I completely agree with you. It does, it can lead to an abuse of power. I've not experienced that myself, thankfully, but um, there is so much more to it than just having a piece of paper or a qualification. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, I can feel that. Like, I don't like going to classes where it's just about the physical act of exercising or the physical part of yoga. For me, it's about feeling the atmosphere in the room, mm -hmm. feeling the energy in the room and connecting. And it's just so much more to it than just the tangible um things that you can even even talk about there's some things that you yeah. can't even talk about that you can just feel yeah like in and yeah I completely agree that there there is more to it than just doing the course that you have to do to get to a certain place um, yes. it's easy to do that it's easy to learn behavior it's easy to learn how to be you know acceptable in society and in certain mm. situations but that's not going to get you very far no, exactly. And, yeah. and I think, you know, and I'm in no way shaming education, like I, at all, like I'm, I, I love studying, I have a master's, like I'm not at all shaming school at all. Um, but, but, you know, I wonder that as well with even my work, like, should I get my master's in psychology? Like I've been thinking about that. Should I get, you know, should I do, cause I do so much research anyway, by now I would have had it, you know, <laughs> I was like, should I just get it so that I'm allowed to talk about psychology with some kind of authority? And then it made me wonder, like, why do I feel like I have to justify that I know psychology? Like, mm. why do I need, and fine, okay, a piece of paper might, you know, reassure some people, but I'm not trying to heal anyone. I'm not mm. trying to diagnose anybody. I'm not telling you that I have the way and I have the answers. I'm telling mm. you that I have some answers to your questions. I have some suggestions in general. I have some interesting research to share. I have some, you know, food for thought kind of thing. I have a podcast about it. I'm in no way diagnosing or healing anyone. In a podcast, I'm talking to everybody. So I'm in no way suggesting that I'm like anything like that. And even as, as a coach or as a yoga instructor, we do guide people. Um, and I know we have to be careful with using things like therapy and healing, like those words even, uh, especially with Yoga Alliance and all that. Because it's true, you're, you're, you're helping someone's healing process perhaps, but you're not healing them. And you know that's not what, one of the things that you're insured for. And that's perfectly okay. Yeah. But you can have a solid knowledge base and talk about it with some authority. You absolutely can. And yeah. though you might need a piece of paper to execute certain things or to be registered under certain bodies and all of that, like we said, regulation of how thing, like you said. And yeah, um, yeah. And like saying that it's a holistic thing thing means that it's all connected anyway. So if you're talking about, you know, atoms and particles and chemicals in your brain, I mean, in my belief, like in the yogic belief system, that's connected to your um soul and like your spirit or your your body Absolutely. like it's all connected it's all one and um it can have a massive impact 
on each other like one on the other mm-hmm. and so it is important to look at it holistically I think and like it is a little like going back to like the yamas and the niyamas like one of the niyamas is self-study so that's something that's encouraged to continue studying whether or not it's a um recognized qualification or something you can tick to say that you've done it's encouraged yeah. to continue studying and furthering your knowledge and sharing that in the best way you can and it is a little bit sad that unless you have you know tick that box to say you've studied something that you're restricted in that way but I do I think with well I, I don't I don't have a psych, psychology background but with yoga the way that I approach my yoga classes like private sessions or group classes is to empower people because I truly believe like especially with pregnancy yoga what mm. I've learned oh, I just truly believe amazing that, that you're doing by the way anyway oh, it's so interesting I truly believe that only you will know what's best for you regardless mm. of what what level of authority the person that's telling you that you've got this or you're diagnosed with that only you have the control and the knowledge of your own body and your own thoughts and your own emotions and only you will know what's best for you and whether what they're saying resonates or makes sense or anything like that so I think so long as you're telling people that they are in the best place to make up their own decision it's got nothing to do with anyone else but them that's that's fine i don't think that's an an abuse of power or crossing any boundaries or anything like that as long as you're not saying this is what i'm telling you and this is what you have to do because i know best and i've got a piece of paper to say that i know this or even if i don't um it's just empowering people to take ownership and control and responsibility for their own well-being and getting them just to understand just to educate people like rather than telling people what this what what's what educating them telling them where they can get the information from for themselves um rather than it being about you making it about them and like yeah being sure they are getting what they need rather than feeding your own level with that level of authority and power like you can't just drop a bombshell and say you're dyslexic you're autistic (laughs) like that's not okay like why are you even saying that like to make the person feel worse or to like i don't know to to make it like a negative thing like the, even the way you yeah. say something you can come across as if oh is it bad to be autistic then is that what yeah. you're implying is there something wrong with me like no there's nothing wrong with autism at all we're all on the spectrum so yeah. what are you trying to say exactly yeah yeah exactly no that's a really good way of putting it if that's the thing is why are you using a psychological diagnosis as an insult anyway it's you know yeah it gets to that point where like if i got to this point in my life where if i had a cold and someone asked me how i was i could honestly say oh i've got a cold feeling a bit down whatever but if i had anxiety and someone asked me how i was feeling i'd be like yeah yeah, i'm fine there's nothing wrong you know everything's fine but actually deep inside i'm like crying inside and like deeply like anxious and i'm it's so sad to see that differentiation that taboo with some conditions and with common accepted normal normal conditions of question um they're considered okay to talk about and yeah, yeah there, is, there is still a massive taboo it's getting better but i think so. and, and i think that maybe it's also a way to take away from someone like if you are intimidated by someone and you can't say things like ugly although people say that too like that's what i mean mm-hmm. by playground insults i feel like the way we used to say oh you're fat or you're ugly or you're now it's like oh you're autistic you're you're this you're that it's like that's so sad that is so sad like it was sad enough before with the mm. ugly and the, and these these negative ways of, of looking at people, just mm-hmm. feel power over them or whatever. It, it's that sad enough. But now we're using things that are supposed to help people mm-hmm. to overpower someone. I mean, that is just where where is this world going? You know, that that's the part that's scary. 
And, yeah. and like you said, okay, they're ugly. First of all, why is that even a thought? And secondly, why is that even bad? And it always makes me wonder, like, what if we didn't know the word ugly? Yes, same. I what if we didn't know the word ugly? What yeah. if we didn't know the word jealous? Or, or you know, what if we didn't know? There's so this massive abuse. People do use that word ugly. I'm just like, according to who? Like, yeah. and where have you come up with that idea of beauty from? Like, where has this all come from? It's all made up. Like, who made this up? It's, really, <laughs> yeah. it's so interesting. Like, human behavior and the way we label things and the way we've made our mind up of like how we see things is so interesting when actually it's all just an illusion. Like it's just, none of it's real. It's just yeah. all made up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. And uh, yeah, I agree pretty much. <laughs> and, and, you know, and going back to the, the knowledge and yoga and this and that, um, you know, you know, yoga is inherently a therapeutic practice. It's meant to heal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so what do you think, like as a yoga instructor and now the changing of the laws to have a 500 hour to be able to lecture uh, and to hold teacher trainings. And you knew about that, obviously. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Yeah. Yoga Alliance is making these changes, I think in 2021, to lecture and to hold yoga, yoga teacher trainings, you have to have at least 500 hour yoga training. So, um, so yeah, and also just about yoga therapy as a field. If yoga is inherently therapeutic, then is yoga therapy there to be more of a training of how to execute that in a registered and regulated way? Or is it the same? Or I don't know, what, what do you think? Because I, I struggle with that as well. Like, should I get my 500 hours? Should I get yoga therapy? Like, what? what? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you said, I personally... Yoga changed my life just by doing it, just by practicing it on my mat and going to classes. And that in itself was therapy. Um, so it is, it is a little bit difficult to differentiate between yoga therapy and yoga, which essentially acts as therapy, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I really, I really don't know how to answer that to be honest. I've not really, I didn't know about the yoga alliance thing and I don't, I don't, I don't teach teachers or hold workshops yet or anything like that, where I'm actually talking about the practices of yoga, apart from my social media. I don't know. I don't know if that counts, but I'm just sharing information there and knowledge as opposed to like lecturing. Um, Yeah, that's fine. Like that would never be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've not really, it does sound a little bit rigid just because like you said, it is a therapy in itself. Yeah. And it's got a science behind it and you know as yoga teachers we are there to inspire and uplift and empower and help people and um, I mean they they may be making it more strict so that we can actually have more that we so that we can do more as yoga instructors Um, Mm, that, that could be why they're doing that as well and I think to regulate is important I mean you want to make sure that people know and have experience when they if they're going to teach teachers because then you're teaching their students as well kind of so i i can see that uh, yoga therapy i mean i guess is more about using yoga to help someone heal like that's the yeah. difference is that now we would just guide or suggest whereas yoga therapy we can actually say like try these exercises for your arthritis Mm-hmm. And it's more like and it's a different insurance as well. And uh I think you're called a holistic therapist after that, rather than okay. a yoga instructor, I believe. So 
Um, but but I think it would be nice to just bring yoga yoga teachers to that level as well. Um, yeah, absolutely, it's, yeah. a tr- it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one because definitely it's therapeutic. So it's hard to to and especially if, like you said, you're, you're heart centered and you're like intuitive and you're you know you're so tuned into people and that's such a it's almost like such a science and the way that you observe people is is so unique and and you can do so much with that it's a shame to think that we'd be limited in that way when there's so much that we can actually do um and again that goes way beyond certification it's like this inherent knowledge that you have that you Mm -hmm. keep developing through your practice and through this therapeutic practice and how you can actually help people heal like you can you legally you shouldn't write it down or like say it that way but you really are doing that like you it's actually exactly what you're doing so that's yeah. a tricky one as well I, I mean i'm not even entirely sure of the answer either so hopefully maybe liz, like yogi listeners can, can <laughs> jump well not but jump like, in now um, i was listening to one of your other podcasts and you say something at the beginning of your podcast where you say something like everything is already within you i just want to help you connect to it yeah. I find that so beautiful. That's all we try to do as yoga teachers, right? Yeah. We're not trying to um, renew someone or create a new person out of them and, you know, leave the old you, the new me, the no, you know, that kind of like, yeah. it's none of that. It's just about connecting to what's already there. So you're not necessarily trying to change the person. You're not trying to change their belief systems or infiltrate anything or brainwash them or anything like that. It's just about bringing out something that's already there that they've just kind of, lost their way a little bit with connecting to and yeah that's all I want out of being that's really all it is and then we just use yoga and different knowledge bases that we have or different approaches Mm -hmm. to help people connect to that place and so I think and you know and that's very like a very yogic thing to say actually hearing it back to me is like wow yeah I did say that (laughs) (laughs) I know I did yeah and I have a new intro to my show now because I got the the mic and so I have a new intro and I actually don't have that sentence in that intro so (laughs) well at least it's there for the other episodes so it's fine but I might reintroduce it at some point because I is pretty clever I might say so myself if I may say so No, but I, I, and I like it because, you know, psychology doesn't necessarily use that belief. It is really about healing and transforming. And that's also great. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's nothing wrong or illegal about using psychology and yoga and whatever other thing to help someone connect to themselves. And one of the symptoms of that, one of the consequences is healing. So yeah. And there's nothing illegal about that. I'm sorry. And you don't need to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's perfectly fine. So yeah. And, and, and what you're supposed to be doing. And with this in mind, I'd like to talk about that community yoga and that. So with this knowledge base that yoga instructors have, whether you, again, not to, this is going to sound mean, but just so that we establish the, what we're looking at here, mm-hmm. a 200 hour teacher with like zero intuition <laughs> and like did the training because they felt like it and they like, you know, they, they could, and they wanted some extra income to teach from time to time. And you have teachers like that. Um, and they, or they wanted to deepen their practice, whatever it may be mm-hmm. them to people like, let's say you and me who are like really self-reflect and it's our lifestyle. And we share that knowledge on Instagram and it's, mm-hmm. it goes way beyond the asana. Like the eight limbs are in full swing. Like <laughs> we're doing all the things <laughs> and, and, and working toward them and stuff. And, um, you know, do you think that one yoga teacher can actually be better than the other if they have the same training? Um, but these differences and do you think that they should charge differently um that that would be the first question topic wow (laughs) yeah it's really juicy I feel like that should have been like the first thing we talked about (laughs) um I would like to go back to what we were discussing earlier about there being 
no good or bad mm. no one's better than anyone else it's just we're different I think and I think the charging part I'll get to because that's like a whole other thing <laughs> <laughs> I like it's definitely like a separate subject for yoga instructors. It's like, let me be really yogic first and then we can talk yes. about some <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, I think everyone has the right to do whatever they want, obviously. And if you've done the 200 hours, it's a lot of work, a lot of reading, a lot of like exams. Training and, tests. and time and devotion. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very, very testing and it's absolutely. a massive commitment. So anyone that does that, I you know commend you for even doing it because it really does challenge you as a person. Um, and it is tricky because I don't think I'm perfect. Like there's a lot of things that I do that aren't yogic and aren't in line with what I should be doing. And nobody's perfect. Like everyone's trying their best. And I really believe in that, like being compassionate and not being judgmental towards people in that, in that sense. Um, but I guess it's more of a case of like, if it were my own preference, I would lean towards someone who is a bit more like you, I guess, that has a bit more to offer than just the, the certain what's on the surface. That's just the physical practice. And it something that goes a little bit deeper than the superficial stuff of yoga, like the poses, mm. like putting yourself into a pretzel, how flexible you are, how strong you are, like all of that. Yes, it's really fun. And it's nice to see how much your body can transform and what it's actually capable of. It's magical, but it's so much deeper than that. And I think yeah, it's, it's a means to an end. It's not, it's not the end all and be all, you know, it's exactly. uh, yeah. I think it is, it's, it is a little bit of an injustice to the actual amazing practice that is yoga to just focus on that physical aspect and only deliver that to your students i do think that there's so much more to it and um it's so interesting and so fascinating and just so liberating there's so much to it that could be shared but it is a little bit sad when i see teachers that don't touch on that or mention that or kind of incorporate that into their classes but again there's no judgment at all some people like that some people like it to be more of an exercise and it to be more on the left on the surface um so yeah i guess it's just a matter of preference in terms of the different types of teachers there are and their styles and methods and intention behind it and in terms of charging oh, oh my gosh yeah, okay, this yeah, I know. Is a big topic for me because I genuinely believe in the impact of yoga so much. Like it's honestly, it's like a miracle, like what it does to you. It can transform your life. It could just, it, it's just amazing. And so there is always this um, dilemma that I find myself in when I take payment from people that I, I almost feel like this is something you could be doing yourself as long as you just put the work into it. And like, you know, you don't need um you can do it at home like it's not like this secret that we hold withhold from people and we don't want to share share it with anyone and it's only exclusive to if you come to my class you'll 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 reap the benefits like it's something that anyone and everyone can do and it's available to everyone and it does sometimes it does it just it i really wish i didn't have to charge people basically because yeah. it in itself is such a beautiful um practice but at the same time, I really want, don't want to ever undervalue 
the amount of work and the amount of energy and time and expenses and costs that I put into to get to where I am now. And it is a lot of work, um, a lot of studying, a lot of reading, a lot of exams and tests and um, just a lot goes into it. And knowing how valuable it is, I do understand why it would be just as acceptable to charge for a yoga class as it would for watching a movie or going to an event um like a night out or something like I don't know like you know you pay you pay to do a lot of other things that you have to to get through life and I think yoga is I guess no exception to that it is something that provides you, you get a service out of it and it can help improve your life um does any of that make sense no it yes. absolutely does and it's it and it's delivered and packaged in a certain way that it could be a really good fit for you if you end up staying with that teacher. And it's kind yeah. of like with the business, like every time I think of doing something for my business, I'm like, should I really outsource this? Surely I can figure this out on my own. And I'm like, yeah, but sometimes it's good to outsource because something's going to be done in a better way for you and mm -hmm. actually increase the quality of your business and your life. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I think it's important to do. And just this weekend, I, I had my computer fixed by my IT guy. And I was like, oh, I've been procrastinating. I was like, should I really be doing this? Like, I can just figure it out myself. And I tried and I tried and I tried. And I was like, but I'll just pay him, the expert, to clean the computer <laughs> properly because he's the expert. Yeah. And I'll sit here as he goes onto my computer and does everything brilliantly and perfectly. And everything's going to be fine. And I know the quality of what I'm getting. And I don't have to stress myself out for it. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? And it you're paying someone for that. Because it's so tangible with someone fixing your laptop yeah. and then it seems normal you pay your IT guy yeah you pay your IT guy because you he's done something that's instant and you can see the results straight away whereas I think with yoga or any kind of holistic therapy and because it's so pure and the intentions behind it are so pure and you do it from such a loving place you're just like I it's just it's just a little, it's just a little bit different and it's something I'm still getting to terms with like I've only just started my own business and I'm very very new to all of this so it's something that I'm trying to figure out as I go along, but yeah, it'd be interesting to find out what your listeners think about this. Actually, I'd be really. Interested. I know, I know. It's uh, me too. This is why some lives would be really fun. We could do lives, and yeah. um, you know, and have people tune in right away. But um, I, I mean, it's it, it is difficult to to charge even with teaching. Like I used to teach kids. Well, like I used to do academic tutoring, kind of, and. Um, I would feel weird charging as well because I just really wanted to help my students. And I, I, yeah, it's not holistic, but it was a process and it was, it was over time. And I worked with some of these people for a couple of years and I just saw them grow and graduate and like do different things. And it was weird. It was like, I just wanted them to feel happier and more confident and more, yeah, mm -hmm. just more happy with their things. And, and it was so much more than just the academia. Like it was, it was, there was a lot there, but you know, it's, it was a business nonetheless. And, and I think that, it should be no different with yoga. You know, we, we, we're teaching something in a certain way. We're designing a class, like you said earlier, when we were talking off the record, like you're doing the sequencing, you're doing the, the, like the planning of how you want to deliver this so that it has the best benefits for the person that's receiving it. That's work. Yeah. You're providing Absolutely. something for them, especially one-on-one yeah. -on -one sessions. Like, yeah, 60 pounds an hour might sound like a lot, but like you're devoting your entire time and the, your entire bank of knowledge to bettering this person's life. Yeah, I think 60 is very fair for something like that. And also I think people forget that there is the preparation, the sequencing, the traveling there, the traveling back, carrying the blocks, that like there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes rather than just the one hour where we show up and teach and leave. Um, 
so yeah there there is a lot of work into it it just all all i all i would hope for is that it would i just hope that based things like what's your take on um i mean i haven't done anything like that as of yet but i like i said i am struggling with yoga like thinking about yoga as a business and then thinking of yoga as a tool to get through life and I obviously want to continue teaching for as long as I possibly can and in order to be able to do that I need to get paid I need to be able to pay my bills <laughs> but at the same time like I almost want to make myself redundant do you know do you know what I mean by that like I all you all you really have to do to do yoga is to breathe deeply and move your body and if anyone if everyone actually knew that there probably wouldn't be any need for as many yoga teachers because you'd feel empowered to do it yourself and there's so much available online now and so forth so I just yeah I still just struggle with um I lost my train of thought again (laughs) (laughs) it's because they they can't see you but I can and it's really funny (laughs) when it happens happens because I'm always like there she goes (laughs) drifting out there she goes <laughs> no no it's fine it's fine but uh, no yeah, I, 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 it is sad when there's a few people that ruin the intention of that sense of community and wanting to make it accessible to everyone and, yeah. and there's a few people that kind of take advantage of that when they don't need to and they just ruin it for everybody else you know it's it's yeah. it sucks a little bit it's the same like, with a lot of things in life though right like with a welfare system and like just loads of like community yeah. like in the sense of community you always have a few people that maybe aren't pulling their weight or chipping in or taking part yeah. or you know doing their part in society and it it feels like they're ruining it for everyone else but there are the, there are still that people out there that do benefit from charity events and community flows and that kind of thing so yeah. it's worth definitely yeah. worth doing despite the odd few exactly that i think at the end of the day i would never stop doing them or stop yeah. wanting to do them because i i just yeah for the people that you are helping and for the people that you are ben- that, who are benefiting from it i think that it's 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 so incomparable to mm-hmm. anything else you know it's just um I really, really hope that you enjoyed that. I look forward to talking to you for our last episode next week. I may or may not squeeze in one more Q&A before the end of the year. If not, that will all be coming in January of 2020, of course. I'm really, really excited for the year that we've had together. Those of you who've been with me since May and those of you who perhaps joined me today, either way, I'm so, so excited to have shared this year with you and to have shared this show with you. Thank you so much for putting up with the first <laughs> with the first chunk of my experience with podcasting and uh, and with the ups and downs and the technical changes and learning curves so thank you so much for that i'm very excited to be sharing my content with you again like i said next week and of course in 2020 as always do not hesitate to reach out to me via my instagram Facebook or my website jenangela.com or you can find me on Instagram at jen.angela. If you want to go straight to Avea Luna and work with me, you can find me on Instagram at Avea Luna Yoga. And if you want to talk about any of those things, you can also just email me or like I said, fill out a contact form on my website and I will be glad to help you. Until next time, namaste.